0: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with
1: This crowd rises to its feet. But slammed it home. Garland left wing. free ball. Perfect. Garland in of the lane. Locked The Mobley. Pow. Ed Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Pow. With the left hand and a foul.
2: Welcome to the chase down podcast part of the Cas media family I'm your host Justin Rowan the chase down is presented by Fubo TV watch over 100 channels of live sports and TV for half the cost of cable there's no contract and no commitment try for free at FuboTV.com the off season just keeps rolling on and you know what there's no transi- uh, no transactions to talk about, no moves for the Cavs, so we're going to start with some team previews. We are going to interview some of our favorite people from around the league uh, with other top teams in the Eastern Conference, but before we get to our interesting guest that has tons of insightful things to say, we have Carter. Carter, how you doing, buddy?
3: This is Garrett Temple Erasure. No transactions.
2: <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Toronto's got a veteran leader. Yeah, let's let's just go long on that. I, I, they I had love shooting of that. on the wing? yeah yeah come on brother they desperately need i say they're back you know what he might even run the point guard position Uh, he's probably the most qualified on the (laughs) roster right now scotty barnes erasure i hate it uh but we're not here to talk about that thank you carter for getting us off off track today we are joined by one of my absolute favorite guests uh for the chase down from the Eurostep podcast network ty windish welcome back to the program ty how you doing buddy
4: I'm doing great now that I'm back on the prestigious illustrious chase down podcast before Carter pointed out Garrett Temple who uh, I always I think of a tweet this summer that just said Garrett Temple failed when all the Zion stuff was coming out that's the first thing I think about with Garrett Temple but the um you also overlooking Thanasis. Uh, I don't know if he's officially resigned yet but reportedly okay. coming back to the box I think that was a day or two ago as well so a lot of huge earth-shattering moves who cares about this dame stuff we got Garrett Temple and Thanasis Adakoupo news. That's what the people really want.
2: Yeah, and I saw the people going. I, I saw Shams reported other teams like the Knicks were in in the mix for him. So you know, good good for the Bucs to retain players. And really, that was a theme for the Milwaukee Bucks this off season overall. You know, a lot of speculation that guys might be on the way out. But before we get to that, uh, before we get to the off season, I think we as a collective here need to kind of reminisce on the playoffs. And the Uh, second round matchup that never was because you and I were messaging at the time doing a little bit of planning like, hey, you know what, in all likelihood, we're going to be doing a lot of content second round Milwaukee Bucks. You know, you're always you're planning ahead and it just didn't work out for either of us. Does that disappointment still linger for you? Because I, I don't think I'm fully over it.
4: Uh, absolutely. I mean, any season when you have Giannis and, uh, you know, he missed some games in the first round, whatever. You still have prime Giannis on the roster. It's not like he was out for the playoffs, which would have, I mean, it would have been worse. Like I'd be, I'd be less happy if he had that serious of an injury, but it would have been more explainable than, than what happened. So yeah, it's certainly still really disappointing. I think getting the excitement of the new coaching the coaching search and bringing in the new coach and you know making some small moves although as you kind of alluded to and we'll get into you know mostly standing pat this summer but really bringing in the new coach and apparently some new schemes I think that excitement kind of takes over but looking back I've said it's one of the top two disappointing Bucks playoff runs in this Giannis era Um, I think the bubble is the bubble the Toronto series of course also hurts a lot like last year, if you're going to lose in the first two rounds, losing to Boston in seven without your second best player, that's kind of how you would draw up like the least disappointing way to go out in the playoffs. It still yeah. sucks, but it's like okay, sure, that'll happen. Uh, this past year, though, that was that was brutal. So no, not quite over it yet. Um, although at least we have other stuff to distract us with in the you know the fun, the roster moves, everything else going on.
3: It it I feel like it was kind of a weird year where all these teams that were favored to win their series or were the higher seed lost and it almost like diluted how much crap the teams took nationally um like i feel like like i feel like the bucks have gotten functionally no heat uh for for their loss to the heat at least nationally
2: um you Ty's know, making a face because we and, are all so acutely aware of the slander. I feel like exactly. I feel
3: like every Cavs fan is more mad at the Cavs than the national media is. I feel like every Bucks fan is more mad at the Bucs. I probably feel like every Grizzlies fan is more mad at the Grizzlies. Like you know, up <laughs> and down uh, for these teams that that lost that series that maybe they should have won. I think the only the only fan base that like of the high seed that isn't miserable with how their postseason ended. Was the Kings, you know, in terms of teams that you know lost to to a lower seeded team? So I don't know. It, it's it's so it's such a weird thing. And like, does it does the fact that the Heat made the finals like is that a salve on the wound a little bit, or does it also just suck because you're like, well, that should have just been us going to the
4: finals? No, I think it worked as a salve because you know, if Bucks fans, Bucks fans aren't as mad at the Bucks. I, I will say, I think it's more there. It's like the universe. Cause it's mm-hmm. like, really? Jimmy Butler's going to do that. And you look at their, like Jimmy Butler was good. The rest of the playoffs, there's like a clear difference. I know he, he banged the ankle up against the Knicks, but obviously he goes on to play four playoff rounds was not that guy. I mean, we watched in the rest of the playoffs and they kept winning, which did make it better. Cause it's like, okay, this zombie team is clear. It's not just the bucks like falling apart. Although they did. It's also like, they just keep, they keep grinding it out. Like they know how to do this, mm-hmm. but uh, and yeah, obviously the Cavs inherited one of the players who really helped them do that. But um, it's more like really Jimmy Butler's going to be Kawhi Leonard because he was like Kawhi he was 2019 Kawhi for that series like it was insane it was like to a certain extent you know they needed to make more adjustments all this stuff like again I really don't want to be the Bucks guy who just is like oh yeah the Bucs were perfect they didn't know they, they messed up a lot they needed to make some changes hopefully they've made enough but also like what can you do if Jimmy's just going to make every shot against Drew Holiday like yeah. okay we don't we don't have a lot of counters for that no team has a lot of counters for that he was otherworldly good i mean caleb martin almost won eastern finals mvp that heat team just had something in the water
2: that, um, that so shot I, was one of the most insane that that i've seen that that yeah. jimmy did like it just didn't make any sense and you're right like it's funny looking back at it he didn't have four rounds of playing like that either right like you could tell kind of Age is catching up to him those Tibs miles that he's got on his body uh he wasn't that guy in the eastern conference finals he wasn't that guy in the nba finals and i i do like echoing what carter said i i feel like a lot of the top teams in the east kind of beat themselves and miami's that team that won't right like they refuse not to they they force you into those mistakes and and i was really interested to kind of get your perspective of that series because like you said even though Giannis missing time obviously was a major factor he wasn't 100 percent. it still felt like a, a missed opportunity and a year where i really thought uh that milwaukee had a great chance to win the championship do, do you do you feel like that there was kind of a championship left on the table here due to the variety of circumstances or did the way they lost make you think hey maybe they weren't as infallible maybe they weren't as mentally prepared for this particular run as they could have been and that would have cost them in the end
4: I I never feel like you know a championship was left on the table because there's there was so much more basketball to be played and I think Miami matches up better with Boston than maybe anybody so you know Boston I think now at this point a lot of Bucks fans think they're a bit of a boogeyman I don't go that far. I think it's a, a. I think it's kind of a good matchup for both teams. I'll be really interested interested to see this year without Smart how Boston goes about defending some Bucks, especially Giannis. Um, but that's saved that for a, a different uh, two team preview podcast to to dive into. Um, but no, I, I mean it's more like a, just a better run, like a, a run squandered. Like I, I do I try not to look at it ever as oh if this if this happens different it's a title whether it's last year with Chris getting hurt because again there's so much more to be played even 2019 a lot of Bucks fans sit on that one almost up 3-0 against Toronto obviously what happens happens to Katie and Clay mm-hmm. but you re, you replay that again in a different universe maybe those guys are healthy and the Warriors that just one to me. another one I, yeah I
2: can, I can see Carter wants to talk but I just have to add that one haunts me because Giannis in that game three not getting a single free throw in regulation I, I still curse Scott it was Foster's a weird name.
4: thing at the end of the like Siakam it kind of went off him at the end and it was Raptors ball we we for some reason I know you guys I think I I actually tell people all the time you guys did an amazing job finding content you know during COVID when everything was off not the bubble but before it um we to pass the time during that We rewatched every game of that playoff run. I don't know why we didn't have fun. My co-host, Rohan, Kadi, and I, but rewatching that game, you're like, Oh my God. So much happened in this game that you just kind of, you just kind of pack away. Right. Like, Oh, that's over and rewatching. It's like, Oh my, it was so close to being up 3-0, but here I go again, getting hysterical, but uh, you know, they have Giannis and Chris and everyone, they can go on more runs and you know, I, I try not to hold too tight to the, the misses. We're lucky enough to have gotten one and you know, that that's really special as you know, you guys I'm sure can relate to as well.
3: We absolutely can. I wanted to ask you about kind of a big talking point that came out about the Bucks playoff roster construction. Cause I think everyone really liked this Bucks roster. Um, you know, like uh, going into that postseason, they liked a lot, almost every player up and down the roster. And then the playoffs start and you go, there's not a ton of athleticism out here. They kind of seem old and slow and crafty. And it kind of made me think of the end of the first LeBron era in Cleveland when the Cavs had really surrounded LeBron with a ton of high skill veterans that you know, then you would go and play a team like, like the Lakers and Lamar Odom would just like run them off the floor. Um, like, do you feel like maybe the Bucks maybe over-indexed a little bit on that with their roster construction where it's like, Hey, we have eight, nine guys who can be trusted to make the right decision and play smart defense and shoot the ball. And oh, wait, we're, they're just faster and can jump higher than us, except Giannis. (laughs)
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that was a big part of it. And I think that it kind of doubled down on Giannis's injury being problematic because when he got back, he didn't have that same, that same burst either. But I think, I think it was kind of a twofold problem in that they didn't have enough athletes. And also there was, and this is going to sound stupid. They were almost too deep in that there's probably 11 players on that team who should have gotten rotational minutes. And in the playoffs, that can be a difficult thing to figure out like, okay, which seven or eight actually get them. And it means someone like it
3: sounds like a great problem to have. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I said,
4: too. That's what I said, too, going in. And then Jay Crowder plays 40 minutes over five games and looks bad. And you just can't play him anymore after looking great in the regular season. And Javon Carter, kind of the same deal quietly, did not have a good playoffs. And when you have that level of expectations and that kind of roster, there's not a whole lot of time to figure it out. And you can't just give a guy 20 minutes a certain night because it's just not working. So. I think that coupled with the athleticism was a double detriment in that they had these vets who, you know, they know how to play, but they don't have that same level of bounce and they don't, they're not getting enough minutes to get acclimated, to get totally comfortable out there. Neither are the players around them. They just, they looked off, you know, watching that, that series, the funny thing about that series, not funny to maybe funny to heat fans, like game three, I remember watching and I was like, yeah, they're they're cooked. They're not going to win this game. Like Giannis can come back. They're not, I'm sorry. They're not going to win this series. Like something's just wrong. And you could really see it. Like they didn't have the same level of fight. They they weren't they weren't as competitive as they should be, even when someone goes down, even when Giannis misses time. So I do think whether it's you know Malik Beasley, whatever, he can obviously not a defender, but you know, certainly younger and more athletic than the guy, Joe Ingles, Wesley Matthews, some of the guys they were trotting out last season. Certainly if Marjon Beauchamp can earn some minutes, I mean that that I'm guy a is holder. a real
3: I'm a
2: stockholder yeah. big fan
3: big just big dropped
4: 83 points in the crossover baby so <laughs> that's like I don't know dropping 30 at What's summer league I don't know rate, the conversion yeah. yeah I don't know the conversion <laughs> it's got to be at least 15 in the in a regular Imagine season game being now. his
2: teammate in that pro-am run <laughs> <It's> that, like, <laughs> come on man we we call that a CEBL 40. <laughs> yeah CEBL
4: 40 we'll take that um but had some really good summer league games too had some quiet ones as well but I, you know i kind of said listen anytime you have to spend five days in vegas in a row like you're not going to be performing the same like that that it creeps up on you so i understood that from marjan um but seeing those guys get real opportunities which they didn't i mean Marjon was year one you know a non-lotto pick you're not going to get that much run on a good team but now these have more time to develop it seems like they're pretty high on him they drafted two really athletic rookies and uh, a former Bucks front office staffer actually posted, I think on Twitter X, whatever, um, like th- these would not have been draft picks when Bud was there. Like it just, everyone had to shoot, you know, everyone needed those, those skills and having shooters around Giannis is really important, of course, but I do think they went too far away from athleticism in how they assembled the roster. And I am really excited to see like what, maybe they can have an actual good transition offense if Giannis has some running mates. This is something that Bucks Twitter was kind of befuddled by they weren't good in transition last year. Like they didn't score a lot. And it's like, well, yeah, half the roster or more is very old and not fast. It's it's going to be tough even when you have Giannis because you only have one guy getting down court. So I think very excited to see some more athleticism on the court this season.
2: Yeah, obviously one of the biggest changes is with the coaching staff, right? Uh, with Boone Hoser no longer being there. Were you happy with the direction that that Milwaukee went with their coaching hire? Because I, I was happy for you guys. Uh, I'm not the biggest uh fan, fan of Nick nurse and, and you know him kind of being in the rumors and whatnot and you went to, with the Toronto coach just a, a different one than uh the, the rumors would have indicated were were you happy with that decision
4: yeah I was I mean you know I I think certainly didn't expect it didn't expect Adrian Griffin a doctor Adrian Griffin Mm-hmm. recently earned, I believe, to to make the top three, much less actually actually get the job. Um, really just thought it would be someone who was a coach before. So I was a little worried it would be Nurse just for that reason, just for that the clear selling point of like, oh, he won a title as a coach. He's got what it takes, whatever that means. Um, and I just thought they would go with someone established. I really like Kenny Atkinson going in. I thought, you know, kind of getting more seasoning from that first job in, in Brooklyn and the player development, I thought he would make a lot of sense. Uh, obviously, they didn't go that direction. Um, I, I think, though, what was exciting was someone who's been around the league for a long time and seems like he just really can relate and connect with players. I think that's one of his major strengths so far and really a defensive-minded coach. And I love what he and the organization did in you know bringing in Terry Stotts and bringing in Joe Prunty and some of these other coaches and pretty pretty openly being like, yeah, Terry Stotts and Joe Prunty are going to like have a lot to say in cooking up this offense. Like, I think being able to recognize that you have a deficit in something and then just bring in the right kind of expert. I mean, Terry Stotts, in addition to his time in Portland, was the offensive coordinator, whatever the title is in the NBA, for the 2011 Mavericks. Like, this is a guy who knows building great offenses very well. I think bringing in those guys really reassured me a lot because if there is any question mark with, really any Raptors coach, right, it would probably be offense over the last several years. I mean, the player development there, the defense certainly there, the offense not an ideal roster, but also not a very good offense anyway. Uh, and they will tell you they have five, six All-NBA players over there in Toronto. So there should be a better offense than we've seen out of the Raptors in these last several years since Kawhi. So, yeah, I'm excited. I think they needed to change. Something was just off. And, and, you know, it was very unfortunate. You know, we found out afterward that, that Mike Budenholzer's brother passed away during the playoffs. I think that certainly had an effect on him. Um, but, like, the Bucks' offense had just been stale for a little bit too long. You know, the adjustments. And it seemed like there was a little bit of, you know, there was more discord, I think, between the players and, and the coaching staff than we thought. And, and some reports came out. And, it, you know, one of those comes out and you can kind of hand wave it away but multiple, and then hearing Giannis really wanted to find the right coach to connect with. I think you can kind of connect some dots and see, you know, maybe the team, that message just wasn't resonating the same. They needed a new voice. I think it's hard to fire a guy who won a title two years ago, but I think it was the right move, and I'm very excited to see what Adrian Griffin can do uh, this year for the Bucks.
1: This is it, we've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge is he connecting to complimentary wi-fi oh my look at that he is and you will not believe where he's
0: going next the amex dedicated card member entrance for the win unbelievable when you get travel perks with amex platinum you're part of the action that's the powerful backing of american express terms apply learn more at americanexpresscom express.com slash with amex
2: yeah i mean it goes to show you just how important that buy-in is for players right carter you were about to say something
3: no, I mean, I was about to say as much, you know, it kind of feels like they were, they, they, they saw the Darvin Ham experiment go well, uh, in, in LA last year, you know, after, after a rocky start, obviously, you know, but after that roster came together, uh, Ham, who had been an assistant for a really, really long time, uh, that was beloved by the players they coached, like it kind of, you, you can kind of see the through lines there, um, or, in well, terms and, and- of... Their,
4: Sorry, just quickly, Ham in particular, I mean, Bobby Portis called out um, after the loss. People didn't realize how impactful it was losing him for as the Bucks lead assistant like that voice and I think again just more signs that the team I I don't think was necessarily clicking on the same level but yeah Darwin I think someone that Bucks fans love I mean there were certainly a lot of posts during dire parts even the postseason they won it all that you know let's let's get Darwin in the lead chair for the next game so uh yeah I think he for multiple reasons uh Ham has a lot to do with this move
2: yeah it's part of why I feel like looking at- where the Cavs came up short in the postseason. Like, there were just so many points of failure across the board. There were so many things individually the players could have done better. There were uh, things that we would have liked to have seen done differently from J.B. Bickerstaff, whether it's, you know, bringing Allen that far beyond the three-point line, um, you know, going a little too far or going away from their identity a little too quickly. Uh, I thought they were trying to adjust to what the Knicks were doing rather than forcing the Knicks to adjust to them. Uh, But when you hear like uh, Chris Fedor had a great interview with um, Darius Garland uh, that that was posted today. And when you hear the players talk, it's there's all there's still that kind of unanimous buy in, right? Like that they all believe they're all pulling in the same direction. And when you hear interviews with JB, it's always, you know, it's a collaboration, right? You're working with the players. You're, You're trying to identify, okay, Uh, Are we all pulling in the same direction? Are we all working towards the same goals and and getting their input? And um, I I definitely feel like the Cavs are still on that path. And you never know, right? Like the 12 months ago, uh, Donovan Mitchell wasn't even on this roster, right? Like so much can change. But right now it feels like, you know what? We addressed some of the concerns that we had um, in terms of personnel, adding a lot of shooting. Um, You you hear Garland talk about adding Uh, strength and being ready for the physicality of the playoffs I'm very very excited to see kind of what the offseason changes mean for the Cavs but I'm I'm also looking around the Eastern Conference and I I don't know if I'm in the minority with this sentiment but I I don't love what Boston did
4: this offseason like I, I think I'm with you
2: I, I, think I that, hate what Boston did okay so I'm not <laughs> I, in the minority at least not in this podcast not in this podcast um, th- the I,
4: first I, move terrified me I will say that I'll get my finger in frame the first trade that didn't happen I was like oh no I don't like this at all for the rest of the league and then that fell through and they traded I was like oh okay take all the second round picks I don't care about that Whew.
2: yeah I I'm in the exact same boat as you I, I thought that made sense to move Brogdon but smart you know that's a locker room leader that's one of their primary organizers for a team that was short of organization I think that's why they they haven't won the championship the last two years is they didn't have that playmaking then you know losing Grant Williams I think that that hurts them as well for a guy that's you know struggled to be a number two option played very well with Bradley Beal you know largely out of the lineup last year for Washington as the lead guy I just don't love what they did uh, Philadelphia, it looks like they are probably going to get worse. There, there's so much dysfunction. Daryl Morey's talking about, you know, it, it's not going to look great in training camp, but wait until like middle of the season. That rarely works out in the NBA, especially when you have such a competitive conference. Uh, Knicks, I think, you know, they're they're still kind of treading water, but they're that's still a good team. They're gonna have a full year of Josh Harden in all likelihood. Adding Divincenzo, I think they got better. Um, but it, it doesn't feel like um, outside of like the Cavs, and, and I guess we'll we'll see what happens with the Heat. Nobody got better in, in ways that really moves the needle. But does that make you feel better about Milwaukee kind of bringing back Middleton and, and Brooke Lopez? Where it's like nobody really raised the the standard uh, of excellence here in the Eastern Conference. There's no uh, massive star addition that we now have to contend with and we can just kind of bring back our guys make some tweaks to the system and and learn from the 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 playoff shortcoming does that make you feel better about the way that the bucks approach the offseason
4: yeah i mean i think you know i've tried to make this point before and fans never want to hear it right but like just saying we brought in chris middleton and brooke lopez for 30 teams that's a great summer in the nba Mm -hmm. And, and just because they were already on the bucks i know it makes it feel less impressive but ask Toronto how much they would have liked to just retain their guys in free agency, and, and how much. And I don't mean to keep bringing back to the Raptors, but like it's a big deal. And both of those guys were unrestricted. It's not like this is you know I, they deserve a cookie because they matched an offer sheet or whatever. Like I thought the Lakers, was gone.
2: I thought I thought Brook at least yeah, was gone, and, and, I was and I was feeling it seemed- great about that
4: it seemed like it was a lot closer than, than we had anticipated. And at that point, you know, we're scrounging through like, can Thomas Bryant start for the bucks? And he ends up going to the heat for, for minimum, I believe, but you know, it, it got desperate. And I think, you know, and I want to get back to Brooke later because like looking at these two teams, like just that center, who is like truly a three and D center, it's such a rare player in the league and like how, how badly the Bucks or any team could use that guy, but especially a team like the bucks and the calves, Who have a player like mobley in the front court who isn't the best shooter not comparing mobley and Giannis directly but in terms of like a big four who can work around the paint and could use some spacing but also could use that rim protector for a lot of the time on defense that player like brooke is invaluable and that was extremely scary so i think getting chris for whatever 34 million a year i think sure absolutely sign me up only having to do three years for the bucks um I, i think it's really good and then retaining Brook Lopez, who I really did consider that Houston bag clearly got a bag from the Bucks, has been playing under market value for five it's not years an now.
3: Outrageous! Bag no,
4: it's though. not crazy. When when Siakam and Vucevic both got like twenty-ish million per, I was like, he's probably going to get more now. I mean, that's you, you mean he's better. Uh, portal, right? Yakum? What did I say, Siakam? Sorry. Yeah, he said yeah, yeah, yeah. Siakam, si- Siakam
2: would be taking a hell of a pay cut. I, I, know he, I, <laughs> yeah. I know he reportedly wants to stay in Toronto, but I don't think it's for that kind not of money. Not going
4: to do that much. Yes, Pirtle and Vucevic, excuse me. But when they both got 20 million annual, I was like, ah, oh, Brooke's probably going to get more now. And he did. Good for Brooke. He, he's, he earned it. He's very. He was second in DPOI voting last year. Hmm. So, yeah, I think, and certainly looking around, like the, the super team forming, being out West, it's like, all, all, whenever that happens, I'm like, sure. It's not Brooklyn anymore. Somehow they never won one, which is still... Pretty wild considering the talent they had there. Maybe Phoenix will. Maybe they won't. A lot of the same questions, even though it's different players, apply there. Uh, but certainly like not having Beal or someone get added to like the Celtics is a good thing. Not having the Celtics be in on Dame, even though they probably could without giving up their two guys, a good thing, I think, for, for the East. And we'll see. If he goes to Miami, that's going to be a scary team. It hasn't happened yet, and they've let two starters walk already. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Kind of a secretly precarious position for them, even though you know the heat reporters will tell you they're fine, it's all good, it's handled, it's whatever, whatever. Um, but yeah, I think the Bucks mostly running it back, but getting younger and having actual young players on the roster, which may sound silly, but it just hasn't happened very often. I mean, that's just not something they did on the actual NBA roster. Really at all in the buttons, it's hard
3: tenure. to do when you're trying to win titles.
4: It is. But, and it's easy to not do, especially when, you know, you can load up on the Corvers and Forbeses and all these guys and just have them and not really use them. I mean, last year, Myers, Leonard, and Gordon Dragic. Like, sure, I guess. Emergency depth. I I like, though, having three players on rookie contracts, and they just signed AJ Green to a one year deal, too. Just like actual, some real prospects who could develop. The Bucs just haven't really done that. They haven't drafted much. They haven't developed very much. They've more been a second draft team, which is great. You do need guys who can play, but it does make it a little unsustainable. You do get unathletic and old. So I think being able to kind of shift the roster to be a little more sustainable while also keeping the players who I think really matter, retaining your top seven, that's a pretty good summer for me, especially as you mentioned, the rest of the East didn't make that huge move yet. Maybe Miami will, we'll see, uh, but they're just going to be a totally different team maybe not necessarily a clearly better team.
3: Yeah. I mean, the reality here is like when you're a team like Milwaukee with title aspirations, talent drain is a real danger because you're an over the cap team pretty much no matter what, because of how many other good players are on the roster. So like you just can't let talent walk and like, the one thing about retaining your guys is even if you do need to like, make some kind of big blow it up type of trade to change things up, you just need as many pieces as many, as many, you know, chips to play as you, as you can have. What does the pick outlook look like for Milwaukee right now? Like, I know that, I know they sent out a lot of capital, maybe more than I was comfortable with at the time for drew holiday. Like do they, are they going to be able to try to swing for some like, you know, legitimate upgrades mid season?
4: I don't think mid-season I think they'll be quieter mid-season maybe see like another Crowder kind of thing where they send out some seconds I think next draft though uh they'll have to duck under the second apron which they're a little over it this year I don't think it'll be difficult they'll have to duck under it um for next year so they don't get the pick frozen in this insanely anti-compet anti-teams trying to win CBA that we're in now for some reason but they can trade three picks at the draft. So the guy they draft and then 29 and 31. So you're looking at, okay, you can actually make a a real swing with that now, especially as you mentioned, you know, you're probably, if it's someone making a decent amount, you're sending out real players. And again, I don't want to do the biased homerism thing. I think that everyone the Bucks have under contract is at least like a slightly net positive. I don't think you look at there's no deal where you're just like, "Oh, that's dead bloated money." Like someone like the Grayson Allen's Pat Connors, Bobby Portis. Grayson Grayson
3: kind of feels like the 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 poster child there where it's like, yeah, yeah it's I fine. Mean he's probably going to play for anywhere anywhere he goes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it, I'll, maybe I'll still he, call you Homer just to,
2: to be the one that calls you
4: home. That's fair. Here, that's proceed. totally fair. You know, it's just like uh, which it, it almost hurt them this year cuz uh you know, the all these players are basically kind of being given away, right? John Collins, I think um you know the the wizards who they give away to the pistons i get their point guards confused it wasn't tyus right it was um monty morris monty, because oh, right. because these teams just like either have cap space or an exception or just like uh yeah we don't care about this 11 million dollars the bucks don't have that like they don't have like you know the this there was so much uh ironically colin sexton buzz around the bucks it's like you got to give up two rotation players to get him and the jazz probably want stuff on top of that it gets kind of expensive. So it's almost been an issue this summer where teams kind of wanting to shed payroll. We're really just giving away players. The Bucs couldn't take anyone for free. But I do think when you look at, oh, we're trying to trade for a real player, like around the draft or next off season, then it's like, okay, you're going to get plus value contracts, whether it's a huge swing, one of their star players or some of the role players. And we have three firsts And we have whatever seconds are left after John Horace sends out 15 more for, you know, the next seventh guy or whatever we do, whatever the Bucs do at the deadline this year.
2: Was there an aspect of of this offseason that you found to be a bit disappointing or something that you were hoping that the Bucs were going to be able to accomplish that they haven't yet? I I guess it's worth noting that the offseason isn't over, but I, I think most of the major dominoes have fallen, at least for our two teams
4: yeah i mean with only a two-way spot open um certainly it's not going to be a big free agent addition obviously there's not many guys left out there anyway um a backup point guard it's probably the one thing they really don't have right now uh, and i think if there's any position they'll target mid-season it'll be that and, and then, again maybe,
3: is a sneaky big loss yeah he was an important player for them
4: yeah and i, I think you know looking at his career trajectory i was high on him being I think there was almost a resistance to having be the true nominal backup point guard, even if you played the one off the bench for them. They didn't put the ball in his hands a ton. I do think he can do it. I really like that contract for Chicago, although he did not have the best playoffs, which is unfortunate. But yeah, they don't really have a clear backup point guard. It sounds like Lindell Wigginton, Canada's own, uh, may get some, some reps. He's been a, in their system for about three years now he had a really good year in the g league last year he had a pretty good summer league he's developed his shot he's a good defender at the one so we'll see if he gets some run they may also just seed more ball handling to chris and Giannis and and make it less of an issue which is what i would imagine they also have amari moore an undrafted uh two-way player who's a point guard too uh and they may add even a third point guard via two-way so it looks like they're really taking swings at that position um but that's the one and i think kind of paired with that I had thought they'd be able to be a little bit under the second apron enough to use the mini MLE and there were some good like Shake Milton kind of guys going for that and I was like ooh, that would be a really fun you know backup point that really I think then the roster just looks a lot more complete but with the Brook contract coming out to be more than I think we had anticipated and not knowing like the way the unlikely bonuses factor in all this nerd stuff but they're over it they were over it before they signed TA um so and it's fine i don't think it's a huge concern there are some people that are really like you need a backup point guard it would certainly be nice i think they're probably a little short on ball handling but i also i want to see what the new offense looks like Mm because are we just going to let Giannis actually kind of handle and run pick and rolls like the Giannis brooke lopez pick and roll has sneakily been pretty effective if you look at the numbers over the last several years and they just don't do it much maybe it won't be as noticeable as as we think i'm not really sure but i do think that's the one where yeah it would be nice to have a little bit more depth than just a couple of two way guys, even if Wigginton is pretty experienced for a two way player. Yeah, no,
2: I I, can, I I do appreciate though that you guys didn't take Craig Porter Jr. Because I'm, I'm very glad yeah. that he fell to us as an undrafted player. Uh, th- Listen, that
4: every time, every time the Bucks pass on a Porter Jr. and he goes to the Cavs, it works out awesome for you guys. So. <laughs>
2: very well played Ty. very he well looks played nice. he looks good though he
4: looks good he, looks he, he good. does, he does yeah. look
2: really good and you know what else has worked out really well for us the partnership that we have with zoom support for this podcast and the following message comes from zoom half a billion businesses connect using zoom a single platform for phone chat workspaces events apps and video zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe zoom how the world connect
1: this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen
2: To how these teams match up because i i'm disappointed that we didn't get the second round matchup between these two teams i i thought milwaukee was going to be that team that gave cleveland the type of series that they got against the knicks right one that doesn't feel good at all it's a little embarrassing to go through but you learn from it right um i i I heard. Yeah, we just thought we'd get to have some fun first. Yeah, we and, and we didn't get that. <laughs> and and it, it's funny because it, we I've been having conversations with people about you know like this is something that the cows did need to go through, and they're like, "Well, they, they needed to go through the first round loss." I'm like, "No, like it, that didn't need to happen." But the lessons you learn, it doesn't matter whether you learn them in the first round or in the second round, or if you have like a conference finals run, and and then those ex- uh, weaknesses get exposed going through that was the important thing you just feel better if you win around right like you the floor feels a little bit higher but looking at kind of the Cavs now with the revamp shooting uh obviously we, we saw these teams play four times throughout the regular season we, we get to see each other a lot is there something specific about a matchup between the Cavs and bucks that does give you a little bit of concern if we were to go into a series or even looking forward to these regular season matchups
4: I mean with the Cavs how can it not be related to both the the small backcourt and the big frontcourt right so I think defensively having Mobley and Allen on the back line it does give a team especially a team like the Bucks problems that you know when your best player is uh, a shooter but not an efficient shooter who really likes to create havoc at the rim having that kind of personnel is always going to kind of flag it as the kind of matchup that as you mentioned if you win you're probably going to win ugly like it's not going to be easy to get points against that team um so i think just having mobley and allen against Giannis and even like drew who regular season has has shot very well but also likes to get to the rim like you know they every team likes to get to the rim every player does to a certain extent but certainly the bucks that's been an important thing so i think that defensive back line and then on the other end trying to guard uh both uh donovan mitchell and darius garland is, is always a challenge for any team and I think, you know, you have Drew Holiday, one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. That's a great start. But now with Javon Carter gone and, and, you know, less guard depth, it is going to be intriguing. Like, how do they how do they handle those two guards? I'm really not sure. And, again, it's going to be – I remember – I actually joked about this on a podcast this week, I think. Late in one of his first games when he got back from injury, bud threw Joe Ingles on Donovan Mitchell in a bucks cavs game. And I remember we were just watching it like – what is this why why would you do what what is this real are we in a simulation like what is going on I, that's clearly you know, not going to happen Just
2: bullying that's that's, yeah, that's bullying. what
4: happened that's certainly what happened too um but it like who who else can guard guards well enough on this roster that's going to be a really interesting thing as well like can grayson step up and you know guard a little bit he, he was better last year obviously you're not going to look at him though as this is someone we want on donovan mitchell or darius garland for the whole game so i, I think they have unique problems to solve on both ends for any team, but especially for Milwaukee, given the proclivity of scoring around the basket and the lack of size, I guess at the opposite, the lack of small size on the Bucks roster. I'm really intrigued to see how they go about guarding this team. I do think it's going to be a huge matchup for anyone in the East on how they match up with Cleveland because, I mean, the Cavs were top four last year and I think got pretty significantly better over the offseason.
3: Yeah. And it, to that point, like they also kind of, if they're going to start Struis at the three, they also kind of stop the hiding spot. <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, part yeah. part of this where you can just, if you do have someone you want to give a break to that, they could just go hang out in the corner and, and, and not really guard Isaac Okoro. Um, you know, I, I do think that's a challenge, uh, for Milwaukee, but I still think Milwaukee, Presents really really tough challenges for the Cavs. You know, obviously Brook is getting long in the tooth, but I th- I think it was uh I think it was um uh No Tech Ben uh, on Twitter who kind of talked about how the Cavs have an advantage at the four and the five against probably twenty eight teams, uh and not against Milwaukee. Um, yeah, and I and then you obviously have Drew and you know I think the Cavs are probably thrilled that Javon Carter isn't there to chase mm. the chase of uh, their guards over screens and stay connected uh in that milwaukee drop coverage um and then you know i think brooke does you know obviously Cavs fans are going to remember brooke absolutely torching the nets against them in the regular season last year but i do think like even archetypally he creates a real big problem for them because you know when they when they do have to you know send two to the rim to to help guard you know an elite big scorer You know, normally those guys are so good at getting out and recovering against jump shooters, but Brook is so big, the release is so high, that it's really hard to get out and contest that corner three. So if he's hitting, it's a really, really tough... He he does break their scheme a little bit. This is a team that will give up some corner threes by collapsing down to the paint, and you just can't get back out on a 7-2 guy like that. So I, I, I think it was a really cool matchup all through the regular season where... You know, if you remember those first two games, the Cavs were running the Bucks off the floor in the first half of each game, and then the Bucks ran the Cavs right back off the floor in the second half of those first two games. So I feel like it was a little bit of a preview of what each team can do to the other to bother them, um, but I really, really like the matchup for the Cavs. And I, I remain pretty darn disappointed we didn't get that second round matchup for that reason because I think they would have learned learned better lessons in a series against the Bucks then they then they learned against the Knicks. I think against the Knicks they learned that their offense wasn't functional enough uh <laughs> mm-hmm. and that you know they they were bad on the boards and needed to get more physical. I think I think if they had been more ready uh, in, in and been able to handle a Knicks team that I just still do not think was particularly special. I think this was much more about the Cavs limitations than than the Knicks playing you know, out of their minds good again. Again, the Knicks had the worst offense in the in the postseason uh, after the Cavs. Um, however, like you know, I I do think like the Bucks, you know, figuring out how to deal with the Giannis battering ram, figuring out how to how to guard, how to score against that 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 drop coverage uh, with with Drew coming around the the back and staying connected. I just think the Bucks present a lot of cool challenges for the Cavs, and most importantly, they present the how are we going to deal with a top five player in a a series Um, because that is one thing that like we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago i was talking about kind of how what the Cavs' path to a championship team looks like and you know for teams that have top three players It's, it's pretty easy. Have a top three player and get enough good players around them. Whereas I don't know if the Cavs currently have a player who I think is going to end up in that top three, top five, which means you're going to have to do it by committee and you're going to have to figure out how to make life really hard and crappy for super duper stars like Giannis. So, you know, like, I, I don't agree with folks who are like Cavs needed to take, take a hard lesson anyway. I think they, their non readiness kind of cheated them out of better lessons and kind of extended their timeline in that way.
4: Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of funny because Brunson played almost like that top 5 player for some of that series, not all of it, but yeah, I think know. The I know, are not I know. I know.
2: It, just, it just feels that way because there
3: was no offense way the, in the Cavs series. are scoring eight the Cavs are scoring 86 points a game did,
4: yeah. did he have like one or two actually really good games and the he rest did. or was he it can, couple, okay that's what yeah, I thought he had that's had a what, couple okay.
3: really good games um like like then, Jimmy's whole
4: playoff run in one series
2: they, they, they yeah. were a little stephy though they they're like they're already yeah. up 15 in the fourth quarter hitting a bunch of threes oh, like old like, you, wounds you know.
4: don't don't heal huh it
2: was yeah it was just missing a mouth guard basically you guys just saw him hit that
4: hole in one just swearing like come on
2: come on yeah, the, <laughs> exactly. the, the best way to put it is
3: that jalen bronson had a better statistical series against miami in every single category wow and, yeah, and it just is... didn't feel that way yeah it just yeah. didn't feel that way because the cows couldn't score so like yeah so no i actually don't think that i i really do think like you you cheat when you're not ready to when you lose a series you should have won it does block you from learning those better lessons because I, I really think they would have learned a lot a lot from a series against the bucks or the heat uh, even though i probably would have picked you know the other teams in each of those series <laughs> Maybe yeah. not in hindsight, I probably would have picked Cavs against the Heat because we didn't know that they were blessed by yeah,
2: Providence. Yeah, they, they, yeah, yeah we, we didn't know what playoff mass, Max Drews was was going to do for them. But, you know, <laughs> there we, you he's, go. he's on our side now. But it, it's funny, Carter, one, I completely agree with you. Um, I I retract my statement, I think you said, in a much smarter way. And I, I agree with every point you made as much as it pains me. And the other thing that I didn't fully kind of comprehend is I think both of these teams, even though the cores are staying together and, you know, you make some minor tweaks around the edges, is interesting that I think both are going to have to change how they defend the point of attack to some extent. Because, like like you said, Milwaukee still does have Drew, but you don't have Carter, right? Like, you you don't have kind of that that second option. You You don't have me.
3: That's true.
2: Yeah, you don't have that second option you can go to against a team like the Cavs and say, okay, well, now we have to pick, right? Like Drew Holiday guards either Garland and we're hoping to take away some of the playmaking or he's going to guard Mitchell, right? And try to take away, um, obviously, their, their leading scorer. And I, I think we all assume he's going to be the leading scorer next year. And for the Cavs, there's a change because if we're assuming that Max Drews is going to start, that takes away Isaac Okoro being that point of attack defender. And I think... Garland did a very good job last year taking a lot of those point guard assignments last year. I I think it kind of went under the radar just how often he would take those assignments and um, it looks like he's you know added a lot of strength. He, one of the things he's oh, brought uh, up the... he brought up—he better add a lot if he's going to have to be the main guy on Drew, <laughs> right? Oh <bro, laughs> yeah, on, on, on Drew, I, I think you you might even just cycle Struce down or, or put Donovan on him. <laughs> but I, I'm saying in general, like I, I think Garland's going to have to take a lot of those assignments. But is interesting that Cats are probably going to have to play a little more base defense and guard the guy across from you rather than you know kind of having that option to go to. Um, do you think? When you look at this matchup, Ty, is there a specific part of the Cavs roster that you think is vulnerable, uh, and particularly that Milwaukee is well-suited to exploit with the Cavs?
4: Yeah, I definitely think it is. Just the lack of size, one through three, if it is Struess who starts. Um, for You mentioned Drew. Of course, Drew is, is strong as hell. Drew is power forward strong anyway. But really, it's Chris. And I think the thing about Chris is, like playoff Chris Middleton, if, if he is healthy— He'll just kill you if you don't have size on him i mean he'll post up and just hit that shot all day and Struce is a fine positional defender he's not you know he's not a, an offense only player but at, i think six five that's just going to be an issue for him trying to guard chris and i think that's where that's where a series could go from oh this is tight this is grimy this is hard to win where there could be some games where chris is just like really there's there's problems then of course you know, you know do you bring back in Koro and then and go away from Struess or one of the guards. Well, then defensively it gets harder for the Cavs, as you mentioned, where a, you can kind of either have a roamer who can just wreak havoc, which they will do with Giannis from time to time. He'll probably be on Mobley most of the time, but or just you know bring bring one of your worst defenders out of the actions and not have to worry about them. So I think that's going to be their hardest problem to solve. Is okay, there's a player one through three who's going off and there's a power forward that we can't really move Mobley away from that much I I wouldn't be surprised you know they try to put smaller players on Brook kind of cheat it that way we've seen teams do this the Bucks probably don't take it certainly have not taken advantage of that as much as they should have teams kind of stashing someone like a power small forwardy guy on Brook and they just let him stay out there Uh, we'll see if this new coaching staff wants to I think advantage basketball has been something they've thrown around I mean, quite honestly, although I, he's thought of as the defensive player first the floor spacer second, if there's like a six, six guy on Brooke Lopez though, that's barbecue chicken, Ernie, like they're not going to, they're not going to guard him. He still has that. He didn't forget, you know, he made an all-star team. He's the Nets all-time leading scorer all back to the basket stuff. Um, so I think that's going to be their big issue is they have the, the Cavs have the big front court, like the Bucks. Then the Bucks' size kind of extends beyond that where the Cavs, there's a pretty severe drop-off and it's going to be, okay, how do we marry the offensive Struess, and of course that the two guards who are great offensively too but how can we defend well enough when teams have multiple sides because I know you know the 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 first answer to oh who guards Chris if he's going off well Mobley can do it certainly mm-hmm. Mobley is the perimeter defender who can do it but when you're playing the box it's like okay then who guards Giannis you know and, and can Jared Allen do that and then who guards Brooke it's this cascading thing so that's what I'm inter- interested to see is do they have to go more defense You know, are they not forced to, you know, that's the one of the interesting, like, give and take chess matches of the playoffs is what lineups for the Cavs really work and how can they find that balance against the Bucs?
1: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going
0: next the Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
3: This has been, I think, probably the single most under-discussed part of what the Cavs did this offseason. Um, something that the Bucks have never done in Giannis's tenure uh, is ask him to go be a point-of-attack defender. Uh I mean, obviously he'll switch, he'll do that sort of stuff, but they have always had uh you know Middleton to throw at at wing scorers, uh Drew to throw at wing scorers, um and they have all and they have almost exclusively played him next to another big uh over the course of his career. And I think it's going to be really interesting because you know there there are all these analogs and comparisons between Giannis and Mobley especially on the defensive end where you know this would be uncharted territory for that comparison because what how much utility do you lose with Evan Mobley if you're saying you have to go guard Jason Tatum you have to go guard Chris Middleton on the perimeter you know is that the best use of Mobley's defensive talents we know he's an elite uh, defender in isolation. Um, but is it, how is he going to do, you know, navigating screens as the primary, uh, in, 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 those moments. And I, I, I'm super fascinated to see kind of how that ends up playing out and whether that's really the best use of him defensively, because as we've seen, Giannis can be a great isolation player. He can be a great switch player, but the Bucks have, you know, created a championship identity on that end by letting him roam and, free and play free safety while Brooke plays in a drop and just staying in their shell.
4: Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how much that changes this year. Because it's funny, the exact flip side of, of what you're saying is, I, and certainly Bucks fans, I think Giannis as well, from some of the things he said, I think he would have liked to be a primary a little bit more. I don't think all year. It's one of those, you know, it's like, you know, you play the center until you can't. I think it's that same idea of, like, you play Giannis as the helper until you really need to stop on, on KD or Jimmy Butler or whoever it is. And it sounded like Giannis wanted to do that a little more. So I I do think
3: that that was weird. It's like, he kind of feels like he's made in a lab to guard Kevin Durant in a closing possession, and there would still be Chris on him. And I'm like,
4: Chris or drew or PJ. Yeah. Well, and and I think it was very frustrating because the bubble or the, the post bubble series when they, when they swept the heat, it was he and Brooke guarding Jimmy and bam, and it's like, okay, your pick and roll just means nothing. Like, we're just going to drop. And 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 they just didn't do it this year. And he had the injury, everything else. I, I, think, I think Giannis wants to be a little more involved defensively. I still think there's going to be a lot of him as the roamer. I think that's, you know, you have to look at regular season versus playoff stuff. Um, you know, I don't think he should start at the five ever. I don't think he should be guarding wings all season ever, um, or even all game maybe. Because as you mentioned, you know, even for Giannis, getting over those screens, that's the hard part when you're that big and that long it's really hard to get around screens all day but toward the end of the game maybe that's when you want to do it more so yeah again that's another just another balance that how do you find the right balance how is the player happy how is the team you know performing at its best that's something the bucks actually have to figure out a little bit this season as well but certainly will be interesting to see as you mentioned you know before drew was there it was eric bledsoe for all of his faults an amazing point of attack defender on guards like Mm. they've always had guys they could throw at those offensive players uh, kind of sparing Giannis from doing so even if he wishes he did it a little bit more certainly has made them such a consistently great defense though to have Chris and Giannis behind those other defenders
2: yeah and I've been pretty adamant that, that that's the role for Mobley moving forward right like he might play minutes at the five right like you might close with him at the five and um, I shouldn't say might play minutes at the five he plays about half of his minutes at the five so we know that's going to be part of the game But I I still think the way that you maximize him defensively is having him at the four. And I think you look across the NBA, the only teams that seem to be able to play defense against what modern basketball is, is the teams that have these guys at the power forward position, whether it's Giannis, whether it's Jaron Jackson Jr., Mobley, uh, Robert Williams, Draymond, um, these versatile guys that, you know, someone's taking care of the center responsibilities, and I'm able to be that kind of world destroyer right and, and, and that Romer, and it'll be interesting to see how the Cavs balance having mobley as a primary defender and uh when they have him strictly in that power forward role because they just don't have the, the size at the small forward position and, and that's definitely something that became very apparent to carter and myself as soon as we started like the gears changed and we started looking at free agency we're like wow there's not really options at the small forward position which isn't a surprise because you know big three and d wings are one of the hardest things to find but immediately like i i went into spot track and i'm like okay let's go to shooting guards can can i find a large shooting guard that maybe fits and that's how we landed on, on Struce as probably the best option even though he doesn't have that size but they're probably even though you're not counting on it you want someone like dean wade to kind of return to form right the the, the, the dean Wade that we saw prior to the injuries because He's just like one of the few options of a guy that's 6'9", that's shown, hey, he's defended Jason Tatum well. He's defended Kevin Durant well. He's given Giannis some some tough minutes at times, although, you know, Giannis is just godzilla so so that's a little bit yeah. difficult but it's a um, tough one the minutes <laughs> typically are tough for you even if Giannis has a bad game
4: right. exactly <laughs> <Right>. exactly <laughs> yeah
2: it, it, a little bit of wear and tear on the body there so you're going to need him to step up you're going to need isaac okoro uh to take another step forward as well um but in in terms of just adding a big wing it's just they, they don't become available it's really hard to find those kind of guys and who knows maybe george niang can uh be our boris diaw and 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 bait Giannis into those mid-range jumpers like diaw did to lebron
4: <laughs> well it's just funny because I, I remember you know seeing the Cavs' off season unfold they got niang first right and it was like oh i like that you know it's it's certainly not a, a perfect player, but you can always use more shooting uh, on a team when you have the the two bigs who are non functional three point shooters and and just the size as we've talked about. Just having more big players who can move a little bit is nice. But I, I was like, that's that can't be their three, right? And then the you know Strews news came out. It's like, oh, that makes a lot. Then I like this a lot better. It, it's kind of the same way I viewed the Lakers off season. Like the first couple moves, I was like, eh, okay. And then the rest of it, and that's the that's the funny thing about the NBA off is everything is in pieces and even like a trade will be in pieces. Like you can love and then hate a trade just by finding out what else, like everything comes out so incrementally.
3: Yeah, um, the and the joke here is that all this happens within like, three hours (laughs) yeah exactly yeah it's like
4: oh i totally flipped it four hours later when they got struce too i
2: was about to say not everything happens in pieces the analysis happens all at once and doesn't factor in that there is still months left of the off season at all we we have to react to every single thing like it is a finished product
4: the best is draft grades. I feel like I see a new screenshot every week of, like, some team that absolutely crushed it in a draft. It's like, F, these guys are terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, don't, I can't think of a good example. I mean, it's, I think it's probably more NFL because they have so many more rounds, but, like, a draft that totally changes a team's lives for the next decade. It's like, this draft stinks. We, we need to, there has to be a grade, though. We have to know right away how you did.
0: The
2: flip side is there's always one analyst that loves everything your team did on draft night and i yep. love finding that guy that you're, just,
3: you're just eating it up <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm
2: just I'm, I'm i'm eating it up and i'm also being like what's his email so i can book him for the podcast <laughs> yeah. i, I,
4: I want to <laughs> I, really I need an hour experience. of this i need yeah. an hour of this right <laughs> I, now i need
2: you to go long on this and make me feel really good about <laughs> it um yeah and I'm I'm interested. I'm I'm excited to have Niang on the team. I I think he, he brings kind of a a grit to them. It, I'm still concerned about the rebounding. Um, because yeah. none of the guys that they brought in really are are plus rebounders for their position. And can, can I can I zag there? Yeah, go for it. If if the Cavs need to go get a rebounding
3: specialist to fix their rebounding, they're not they're never going to do anything.
2: the, That's, the guys yeah. they have on their team need to get better at rebounding. I, I mean, you're not wrong. Like a big part part of the problem was one through three, right? Like yeah. I, I think a lot of the rebounding failures came down to that, right? Where, um, you know, whether it's Jaron Allen not necessarily in position, or uh, I think first two games in the series he he was in position, right? He had that fourteen fourteen game and whatnot, and um, it, it was Josh Hart. It, it was these other guys coming in rebounding on the perimeter, and who knows? Maybe having a six five guard and Ty Jerome is, is something that will be helpful, but. Donovan Mitchell has been a strong rebounder at times. Garland, if he's getting a little bit stronger, he's going to need better. St- Struess is going to need to, you know, put a body on him and, and not allow uh, Derek White to, to to go to the rim in late game situations, right? Uh, and like, like will... if, we, if we're subbing out
3: any of these core guys because they can't rebound, yeah, we've got bigger problems. That's kind it's, of the yeah. crux
2: of what I'm trying to say. No, you, yeah. you, you you're you're completely right. It, it does need to get better, and I'm gonna. I'm almost ready to do a rewatch of that Knicks series, Carter. Um, oh, never! No, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to do a rewatch. I know I'm not expecting. I
4: don't think to. it would be fun. I don't think it would be fun. I remember no, watching not those enough, games live. Not enough
2: paychecks in
3: the world, brother. I, no, I was but, just uh, like, know,
4: this is the this are the kind of games that are the worst to lose because it's just like they really shouldn't be, but alas, I'll
2: watch tape, but I'm not
4: rewatching
2: the the series. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm gonna rewatch it, I, and I'm I'm not feeling good about it. I I want to rewatch the regular season too because I looked it up and. And the Cavs' offensive rating, like in terms of how teams performed against the Knicks offensively, Cavs were fourth worst against the Knicks in the regular mm. season. And they had that massive game one where they just hit every single three. And I want to figure out what exactly it was about that matchup that just made the Cavs struggle offensively. And I, I guess. 11 matchups uh or my mat nine matchups all right great math good job justin um but i, I want to figure out exactly what that was so i'll put myself through that i don't Apparently, expect the you Cavs two.
3: played the next one out
2: of every eight games <laughs> it's like that year where after the all-star break we just played philly 17 times like, yeah, that was ridiculous i hated that That was the worst
1: this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the centurion lounge Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is... And you will not believe
0: where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Uh,
2: let's, let's talk about the rest of the Eastern Conference, though, because we're, we're going long. We're having a lot of fun, but uh, oh, we, yeah. we do need to keep this show moving. Ty, let's get your prediction for what the regular season standings will look like for the Eastern Conference. And you know what? Let's you you can go just top six. So let's let's ignore the plan. Let's ignore the teams that are going to be in that mix. Let's let's talk about your top I,
3: six. I want to preset some ground rules. Are we assuming Dame on Miami or are we not assuming Dame on Miami?
4: Are we let's just assume. assuming there's a chance? Or it's like a it's likely.
3: Yeah, let's but, yeah, let's let's true. factor it in. Let's factor it okay. in. Let's factor it in. That's more interesting to me.
4: Uh, I'm gonna say the Bucks hold their spot at one. I think it's li- it's pretty likely they just finished somewhere in the top three. But I do a Bucks podcast. The Bucks finished one. Okay. This it gets I, honestly. I did. I didn't. Mm, it gets really hard from
3: here. It gets sloppy right away.
4: It does. You will just
2: the pander here.
4: <laughs> uh, no! I'll just I'll put in the Celtics still. I'll, okay. I'll just retain last year's. I don't like the moves much. I think they manifest more in the playoffs. But I, I do remember seeing like a Celtics tweet the night of. Celtics person tweet, not the account, but like with like the worst passing team in the league, and we just lost our best passer for a post big. And it's just like it is going to be difficult to overcome. I think they'll be fine. I mean, the Jays are really good. They'll, they'll figure it out in the regular season. That, but...
2: that would be pretty wild if their account tweeted that. that
4: yeah, it would be...
2: some really <laughs> disgruntled self-six. social
3: yeah, media man. manager. Yeah,
4: just lo- I mean, with how much Marcus Smart meant to that org, I wouldn't be totally shocked. That would be the trade that would do it. Mm -hmm. I'll get the Cavs three though, and I'm not even pandering, but I just, you look at the Sixers, they're just like, I don't know if I could, as someone who really hates the Sixers and has for a long time, I don't know if I could have scripted a funnier way for this all to go down, like this whole thing, then just like they end up with Harden, Maury gets his guy, and then in just the most classic Maury fashion, just completely disregards the relationship, totally lies about giving him the deal after he takes less. And now it's this ugly thing for the second time in three years and beat to carry the team with a star teammate sitting out. We're getting uncomfortable. Harden's going to wear just the most tremendous fat suit we've ever seen. They're saving up cap space for some reason. Has no one told them the memo that it doesn't matter anymore? I don't know. But the plan this summer is cap space, baby. We're not extending Tyrese Maxey. That can only end well. Um, so I'm going to say they take a hit. I'm going to say they're not as good. Uh, they're still top six, but we're going to go Bucks, Celtics, Cavs. I'll just throw in the heat at four. I don't care what their roster is, to be honest with you. They just feel like they just zigzag from like eight to four every couple of years. Let's say they get Dame, whatever, they're four. Okay. I'll throw the Sixers in at five, which sets up a hilarious first round. Okay. And then I will probably put the Knicks at six. If you told me it was the Hawks, I wouldn't be surprised if you told me it was the Pacers or Magic, I wouldn't be shocked.
3: Oh, come on. Oh, I wouldn't be N- shocked. you You're getting that's, too cute. Cute. You're you're getting cute. Cute. I like those teams. That, that's a I don't like the Hawks. Is the, it? The Hawks Here, I'm fine with, the yeah, Pacers.
2: Haw- Hawks is, the
4: Pacers had a really good summer.
2: Pac- Pacers were good.
3: They here's added children. the thing. Children they added good good the Toppin? Season. Obi Pacers Toppin. Obi Toppin and good. Bruce Brown. Bruce, Bruce is nice. Obi is. Yeah.
4: Good. They added the eighth
3: man of another
2: team. Pacers are defensible because Pacers were outside of the plan while Halley was healthy basically all of last year, and I think the roster got a little bit better. Uh, the, I think the they needed.
4: Late. They just had they had spots in the rotation where it's just like, yeah, that guy should be that guy should be getting thirty minutes for Westchester. I, I now don't. They have, they have real I, players.
2: I I think you're getting a little too cute. I I mean, the benefit of what the NBA is now is you have four play-in spots where you can just store all of your cute stories and teams that you like well, you can just- that's where i would
4: have you i was limited to six so i just shouted them out
2: okay i okay. just I, sh- I I,
4: i'm not I, I think it's a lot more likely they're seven through ten than than they actually crack top six but one weird injury whatever i think or- orlando is the one where i'm like listen i don't think they have enough real players they were pretty good the second half of the year they and were- paulo is one of those guys where like if, if paulo shows up and is an all-star next year is anyone shocked I think we learned a lot about good.
3: his readiness at the World Cup. Like is he gonna play a bunch yeah. of minutes for a team USA team that's pretty young? Or is people he gonna throw, be a mid range guy that doesn't work?
4: People throw around the, the people throw around just generally generational comps too much, but the like the KD one for how he plays, I, I get it. I don't I'm not saying he's gonna be that. I get why you would say it. And I know people have talked about like that was kind of a turning point for KD was like Team USA, get that real role. That can really bring a lot of energy. So I think that's a great take, Carter. I agree. Um, I'm not putting Detroit. I, if people, everyone loved Detroit last year. I said slow the roll. I'm still not putting them there this year because their roster makes no sense and it's bad. But, you know, Orlando, I kind of like. Just shouting I, out Orlando. I, I like Orlando, I, I, I too. Get I get it
2: as a shout-out. Honorable
4: mention. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it.
2: I like that Palo plays like late career Blake, but like without the back issues. It's just if Blake started playing that way where it's <laughs> like, I'm just going to really put a pressure on the rim. I'm going to draw a lot of fouls here. got a nice little mid-range game. I, I love Palo. I- I'm I'm so yeah. impressed by him. Curveball here. How mm. does your rankings of this top six differ from how you feel about those teams come playoffs? Like if you were to power rank those teams of how playoff ready they are, how how would you go?
4: So throw away all the young teams. The the pacers, the Matt, like don't even care. not, not even mentioned anymore. Okay. I'll still put Bucks one. Blatant Homerism. Yeah. Celtics Heat are up the next two. The Heat just shoot up. I mean that we've seen it, right? We've seen yeah, it enough he, times. If
3: they have Dame, I'm putting them above the Celtics. I might put for them playoffs? above the playoffs. Yeah. I don't like the Celtics for the playoffs. I don't like the Celtics at all.
4: Trust I'm just I'm just putting them there, and I'll tell you it's it's close. I don't know i just said it but it's close tatum a year older and jimmy a year older factors in here mm-hmm. where it's just a dame too like it also depends
2: how much like what moves if they were to pull that trigger because they yeah. lost so much shooting depth yeah. already that if hero and duncan are going out then all of a sudden it's like okay you lost Bruce, you lost uh duncan you lost hero you lost vincent like um lowry might not be in the mix anymore uh or yeah they're really duncan old around band. with dame right like a- it's i'm a big high smith fan i
4: really I like him really too
3: like his game I like he, doesn't have a, he doesn't have a shot like that doesn't I, address I, I, my shooting depth i, 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 I issue. get it i get it can i make my anti-celtics uh take while we're here yeah let's suck, do it uh, on both so regular season i think they have at most seven like guaranteed nba roster quality guys rotation quality guys yeah I think two of them are gonna be hurt at all times.
4: Okay. Yeah.
3: And I think if we have learned anything from the last couple years, you know, looking at teams like the Lakers, looking at, you know, all all these top top heavy teams, having functional depth matters so much more than it ever has. Playing guys who cannot hang kills you in the modern NBA. And even if your top four, even if four of your guys on the court are really, really good, if you're playing a fifth guy who just doesn't really have the juice, that's a huge problem for you. So, like, like it alarms me how quickly I get to Sam Hauser when I'm running through their rotation.
4: But like, he seems Hauser, like, like a good he's hang. Fine. You, you don't think he can hang? He seems he's like, like, like a chill like guy. 10th man. Pritchard, I think, is kind of good. That helps Uh, me in in the
3: math. I think he can actually. He's also been demanding a trade for the last two years.
4: He won the war. Marcus Smart's gone. Somehow, Peyton Pritchard won the power struggle there.
3: I just think, like looking at their regular season, I think that they they have their their wing and guard depth is functionally non-existent. Like one injury really puts them in a really tough spot. Um, obviously Jalen and Tatum have been, you know, superheroes of, of staying healthy. And that's, that's kind of their ace in the hole, but like, you know, I, I, think people kind of have have these fallacies when they look at injury luck where it's like, well, that guy got, got hurt. So the other guys probably won't get hurt. You know, like you have that fallacy where it's like, like it, it is just as likely that Williams and Porzingis are both hurt at the same time than it is that neither of them are hurt, you know? Yeah, they have, like
4: well, they, at least they have 45-year-old Al Horford to step yeah, in when and, that and, happens. and
3: Horford is getting to that age where, like, any season, he might not be good anymore. Yeah. You know, I remember when it happened with David West, who was like, mm. helpful, 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 you can't play anymore.
4: Yeah. <laughs> and, like,
3: uh, so, like, I just look at all the reasons, uh, like, you know, with, with this, with evaluating these teams, I feel like you always have to kind of do the, you know, what's your median outcome? Um, and their median outcome is still pretty darn good, but their it goes wrong outcome is so much the floor. The floor is so much lower than it was just a year ago. Mm-hmm.
4: I, I don't disagree. I don't. They stocked up some all these second round picks. I feel like they're gonna add some depth as the season goes. But I also just like. Do we live in a world that good things happen and the Celtics aren't good? I doubt it. I feel like... Yeah, they're gonna, they're I know. That good. Maybe yeah.
3: this is some wishful thinking because I, I like. I, I,
4: stuff. I, I don't think you're totally off, though. Like, I think they're... They're not even, like, worst, worst case, right? Like, oh, all their play... Like, their bad case is not very good for them. Like, I do think it's kind of fascinating what they did. And I think that's the part that I, I don't know if I like for them is that they were so close with that core. And to break it up for Porzingis and then pay him, I just think it's like... do you have to do a move like that
3: yeah porzingis had a lot of fun playing really low stakes basketball last year has has never
4: done anything but that Um, uh
3: he had a couple really great playoff games before he got hurt i do think that's that's the kind of the case Like, I really like, remember that against that, in that Clipper series with the Mavs, he looked really, really good. He was legitimately presenting a problem for them. And at his best, he's a really helpful player, and I'm really high on the best version of Porzingis. I'm just like, man, it just feels like you're betting a lot on him being a no doubt, really good third best player. Like he, like at at the level of investment they made in him, he needs to probably be like one of the two or three best third wheels in the league hmm. is yeah. he that i i don't know about that and like
2: if you're going to be a top heavy team he kind of
3: needs to be that
2: i yeah. really worry about their playmaking because i yeah. i think i think in modern nba basketball you need to have two three playmakers and they need to be like you need to have them in multiple positions too right like, like you need to have that front court playmaker and i think jason Tatum's probably their best bet to take a leap in that area but I just feel so bad about their their guard depth there when it comes to playmaking. Like that was one of the issues with the Cavs in the playoffs, right? Was you know you had Garland and Mitchell, but Mobley wasn't ready to do that yet at the playoff level, and it looked like he he was thinking a little too much, um, relative to even how he played in the regular season. So I think that's that's my biggest concern for them. But I. We, I just we cut you I off. Completely I completely
3: derailed. <laughs> yeah,
2: oh, that's yes. fine. Yeah. I remember. That's, that, that's the format of this. Right? It's just an yeah. excuse for us to to sit around and talk and talk hoops. Fire the
4: the Struce edition helps with that. I mean, I think the shooting is probably the biggest thing he adds, but just greasing the wheels offensively will be will be really nice too. He clearly knows how to do that. Yeah. Bucks, Celtics, Heat. I'm not changing. I heard Carter. I'm keep in mind though. I just
3: that's fine.
4: I don't I don't trust that good things will happen. Okay. And then. Knicks Cavs oh. Sixers
3: I, I get why you have Knicks to do it above I, Cavs I have to ask the question even though I think I know the answer
4: yeah I mean it's I, I feel like I'm a Luddite in certain senses when it comes to the league and it's just like I just saw it Great to word. such a degree that's yeah thanks I, I just and I don't I think the Cavs are better but it's just like I'm gonna need to see them not just like defeat like oh that we won the game I want to see him bully the Knicks for some games before I start to reevaluate that. So it's not as much like analysis. Like I love the Dante ad. I don't. I kind of think it's not great for them. And it's like get over the Nova thing. It's just weird. You had a CIA thing. Now you have a Nova thing. Like just find players. They don't all need to have. This isn't hoop grids. Like just add good players. I don't think they really needed him. <laughs> uh, whatever. That's what they do. That
3: on the spot, or if you use that one. No, before? I came up with that. That's, That's new. A great line. Thank you. That That's is how they operate. It's
4: so weird to me. Um but whatever it's fine but like i mean as much as we all thought tibbs was cooked they're really well coached and and they're keeping the team together i think they're good um they could also randomly end up with Joel Embiid one of these days I'm not factoring that in who knows mm-hmm. they're clearly they're clearly trying and that's you know they looked at Thanasis. I wonder why right like we all know what the next plan is it's to turn Julius Randle into a real all-NBA player not a Julius Randle all-NBA player but even just with him and, and Brunson and everything they're deep they got a little deeper I think even though I didn't like giving away top um they're relatively young they're well-coached, and they just did it to such an extent versus the Cavs that I need to see the Cavs. I need to see, like, okay, they learned it. Like, Mobley develops. Struce is the missing piece. Niang shooting helps. And they can prove it to me in the regular season. I don't need to see it in the playoffs, but I'm just giving the Knicks the benefit of the doubt. And then the other three teams ahead of all of them, I just think those are the three teams by and large. And then Philly, I just at win, win two's playoff series once with with an MVP and all these other All-Stars, just one time.
2: I, I, I like the hating. I understand why you have to do it. I I understand why yeah. you, you put the Knicks ahead of us, and I understand as a fan as much as I want to object, as much as I want to jump down your throat. We have to take this. This like it, it just is what it is now, and we'll see. I I have full confidence in the in the fellas and the boys. Well, but it, uh,
3: it's worth noting. Ty had to go through this too. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, when yeah. the Bucks were oh, losing yeah. series, they shouldn't lose. Oh yeah. It, it, it you know you had to go through the. Well, we're just going to have to see it happen, or oh, yeah. we're, we're not going to we're not going to pick the Bucks.
4: Well, the the results drive everything. I had Cavs in five going into the series. I was like, they're oh yeah, guy, I think Me and you better. were the only two. Yeah, I I, well, I had Bucks in four going into our first round series. So don't go with my first round <laughs> takes. Um, but well, yeah, I mean, sometimes,
2: sometimes uh, against Miami, right? Like sometimes, yeah, it, sometimes it sometimes Miami has the Bucks numbers. Other times, you know, they they lose in four and all um, haymakers. They're it, all did four Jimmy or five. Get out sc- didn't Jimmy get outscored by Bryn Forbes in a series or
4: who was it? Yeah. It was Bryn. It was, I wish it was some Bryn really ugly thing. Since I wish it was anyone else, but yeah, Bryn Forbes outscoring. Jimmy is, is very, very funny. And well, it's like to the results point, like people, everyone, Jokic is everyone's number one now. And two years ago, Giannis is everyone's number one. I'm not going to sit here and argue against Jokic as your number one. Like, look what he just did, right? Like, like Kawhi in 2019, he's never won MVP, but that's the guy. Like when, when you go prove it in that level, I'm fine giving the benefit of the doubt. I'm not saying I have Yokich over Giannis. I am saying everyone putting him there, it doesn't bother me at all. Because of course we just saw it. And I think I think it's fine, even if it's simple, to just be like, yeah, if you just did it, you deserve that respect going into the next year.
2: Yeah. I, I think that's completely fair and Giannis and Jokic right now that's my top two like that's yeah that's that's my tier number one when it comes to NBA stars I, I think it's those two and everyone else is trying to get on that level so
4: and then it's a three-way tie for you Mitchell Garland Mobley yeah at the yeah, next tier yeah, yeah
2: yeah of course yeah i've tuned in you know me before. well and yeah, yeah. jared allen's just you know he's peeking his way right into that group
4: he, he's number one on the most improved leaderboard for you going into the year that's the that's the allen place or no number two mobley i guess makes more sense oh you know what it might even be garland just just oh. you wait, baby
2: just you wait baby i'm riding oh. that trade hard i'm 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 a big believer uh that we got another leap coming here but we have gone really long on this yeah, and sorry you know, I don't Sorry. feel bad about going long on this either because this is such an NBA dead time. I I was sitting there trying to work uh, all day. You're trying welcome, to find everyone. Yeah. Bill Simmons is on
3: vacation. Yeah. JJ Reddick's on vacation. Not the working men of the Chase down right.
2: Podcast in the Eurostep. I'll tell you what. No, that's no. right. Yeah, you know what? We we went long. We gave you some content. Let's give a little more content, Carter. Start the clock at sixty seconds of Sea Bears time. And oh boy. Start the clock. My Bears update for you is nothing but heartbreak. Winnipeg showed out in the final game of the regular season with a record-setting crowd, ensuring that the six largest crowds in CEBL history are all owned by Winnipeg. It was a back-and-forth game Saturday against Edmonton, with the good guys coming back and building a six-point lead in the fourth quarter. Sadly, that vanished before target time even began, with Isaiah Osborne knocking down three straight triples, and the Stingers pulled away with a 98-86 victory. This means despite tying for the best record in the West, Winnipeg lost the tiebreaker against Calgary and falls all all the way to the three seed because vancouver gets a bite to the championship weekend for hosting the weekend winnipeg will tr- get their Terrible. first try to get their first home win against edmonton this year friday in the play-in game and then they have to get their first win on the road versus calgary two days later just Where's to make it the, the championship weekend instead of hosting game one instead I of hosting this. one game to head to vancouver they have to go on the road but it is what it is wow 60 seconds, so, I got it in, and we got a little bit of bonus gripes here. Wisconsin herd legend.
3: AJ oh, Hess.
2: AJ Hess brought in Ugh. from this is
3: what the people came to the, from yeah, the herd.
4: Ty. I did, this is what this is the one thing about it I teased on Twitter. So there is like one person out there who probably did tune in for this.
2: Yeah, you know, Ty got me all excited when the I signing did. came in. I'm like, man, he played for the herd. He's like, you got yourself a shooter. Carter, you know what the his splits are for the year? Oh, tell me about it, brother. Shooting thirty three percent from the floor and thirty percent from three. Mm. Yeah, set shots, Davis Breton's type of uh, fool's gold. Set shots, money, movement, shooting—not his bag. Not 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 ideal. Yeah. It, it it hurt. I'll
3: tell uh, you what. There might have been a reason he didn't get up to the bucks.
4: Yeah, I don't think he was really a starter from if memory serves either. Um, but I looked back. You know, I thought of him as like this shooter when I messaged you. and I looked at the stats later, and I think he was like. 33 34% with the herd too and I was like oh Listen, that's what he you does gotta,
3: you know we talked about you know uh downgrading uh Marjan Beauchamp's crossover stats and and prorating yeah. i think you got to prorate at a couple percentages you know going going to the CEBL so yeah he was a hell of a shooter he's just letting <laughs> Justin down
4: well i saw in in the second no league in france in the second over. league in france he shot like 45% from 3 this past season so uh, maybe maybe it's the sea bears that are the problem.
2: Uh, no, mm. I, it, it's just one, the level of competition. Ask. It's the level Fair. of competition. And it's those record-setting crowds, man. You, first yeah, year in a lot the league, of pressure. and we have the top six attended games in the history of the league. We're we're, we're showing out.
3: Winnipeg we're, we're, knows ball.
2: We know yeah. ball. Now we have to play a play-in game with the best record in the West. I, I, I hate this. My All my PTSD We, we got to do a back. watch party or something, Justin.
3: Friday. No, baby. you're gonna be the Well, yeah, I guess you got a pro. No, it's not a home game. It is a home game. Oh, it is a home, so home game. Home game and
4: then road game, which yeah. is a very weird. Yeah, we thing. we
2: got we got to go head out on the
3: road. Sunday, and
4: Sunday, you can do the watch party. Hopefully.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah well, yeah, you you better tune in, Carter, because CBL Plus is free. Just register it with your free. email. Absolutely, buddy. Ty, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and indulging us and, and going long and, and hanging out. We really appreciate it. Everyone that tuned in, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure. Uh, that you guys are subscribing to the Eurostep podcast network anything else you want to plug before we we get you out of here ty
4: no man I, all the links are at gspn.info to anything appreciate anyone who checks us out but thank you guys so much for having me for accommodating my long talking it was a ton of fun as it always is so very 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 great time here as always on the chase down
2: just, God three, bless ya. just three long-winded long talkers big mm-hmm. thanks to everyone that tuned in on youtube and, and <laughs> hung out with us throughout this whole thing make sure you like and subscribe click the notification bell so you know when we're going live if you're listening via podcast and you want to support us leave us a rating leave a review subscribe unsubscribe resubscribe and help cook those books If you want to be part of the chase downs exclusive discord chat send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com however you choose to support us we really do appreciate it make sure you guys are staying safe out there until next time go cats